God called me, and now I'm broke. Do you love your work? Do you think it's possible? Well, you're about to find out. It's time for 48 Days to the Work You Love with Dan Miller on the 48 Days Online Radio Show. Whether you need a professional tune-up or a work overhaul, this is the program for you. Now, here's your host, Dan Miller. Hey, we're going to have fun today in this episode, talking about challenging questions, as always. Our business partners today are FreshBooks and Casper Mattress. To claim your month-long unrestricted free trial of FreshBooks with no credit card required, go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days and enter 48 days in the How Did You Hear About Us section. And then our friends at Casper. Today's show brought to you by Casper. Get $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash sleepyoulove and using the promo code sleepyoulove at the checkout. Terms and conditions do apply. Well, this is Dan Miller. Yes, this is the 48 Days Radio Show where each week we take 48 minutes to dive into real life questions about finding your passion, deciding what kind of life you want to live, and then finding or creating work that allows you to show up every day, excited to be able to do something that's meaningful, fulfilling, and profitable. That's what we talk about here. Today's no exception. Here's some of the questions we'll be looking at. Dan, I'm in need of a large financial shovel. All right, that's an interesting starting point. Certainly true for probably a lot of you listening. We'll look at what the options are when you're in that situation. How about this, Dan, I was called and then I felt like God left me out to dry. Well, we got some recurring questions kind of in that theme. We'll look at, and, and you, the listeners are responding with some amazing insights and tips for people who want to be living out God's calling, but want to figure out how to make real life work as well. Well, here's one. My main calling in life is to fish for men, but I think I can provide for my family fishing for trout. Love that. All right. Now, here's our quotation. This comes from Martin Luther. Martin Luther. No, not Martin Luther King. Sometimes people think he can go there. No, Martin Luther, the theologian way back in time. He says this. It's a little longer than most of our quotes, but it's worth paying attention to. Therefore... I advise no one to enter any religious order or the priesthood. Indeed, I advise everyone against it, unless he is forearmed with this knowledge and understands that the works of monks and priests, however holy and arduous they may be, do not differ one whit in the sight of God from the works of the rustic laborer in the field or the woman going about her household task, but that all works are measured before God by faith alone. I'll share that again at the end today. It's worth circling back around to, but it certainly sets the stage for some common questions that I'm hearing. This idea that, wow, you know, I want God to call me. And if God calls me, then I'm going to have to learn to live on beans and rice or nothing at all. And I may be miserable doing what I'm doing. Are you kidding me? I mean, what, what kind of a God would do that? I mean, what kind of a heavenly father? I mean, would you, as an earthly father or mother, expect or want that for your children? Well, I think we're on the same track in terms of our thinking there. I don't think our heavenly father wants that 
either. So we'll look at what some of the challenges are in that space about wanting to be called, feeling that you're called, and yet not being able to make your real life work. Well, let's do some good news in here before we go to that. Always good news. How about this? A senior couple received a citation over a trash field yard and some teenagers stepped in to help. Robert and Ann Dobson have lived in the same house for 50 years, and for the first time ever, they received a citation from the city concerning the piles of trash littering their yard. Now, it's not the Dobson's trash, however. When the wind picks up, the garbage from a nearby shopping center is blown into their yard. The Dobsons have tried to keep their yard free of trash, but whenever they pick up the garbage, more trash blows in and takes its place. Upon hearing that the couple had received a citation for the letter, the students on the cross-country team from McQuaid Jesuit High School stopped by the senior's house in Greece, New York on Saturday and picked up all the trash themselves. Not only that, they installed a fence to prevent any more litter from being blown under the yard. Additionally, the teens and their parents worked together when city officials with city officials to require the shopping center trash cans to install locks on their dumpsters. One of the teen's parents said it wasn't just us. People were stopping. A woman and a couple little girls stopped and helped with the trash cleanup, and a man came over and helped with the fencing. And just one of those great examples about young people seeing a need and responding to it to help an older couple out. Now, the Black Panther... You know, you know the movie that's the rage out there. I haven't seen it yet, but I want to certainly want to. Blank Panther star reveals that Denzel Washington paid for his theater studies at Oxford. Chadwick Boseman, who's a stunningly talented star of the new Marvel movie Black Panther, recently revealed in an interview that Denzel Washington actually played a large role in his developing acting career. Boseman was promoting the action flick on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon earlier this week when he mentioned that he had studied theater at Oxford University in London. Now, he said he had been taking classes from actress Felicia Rashad at Howard University when he found out that he had been accepted into a summer exchange class at Oxford. Unfortunately, he didn't have the money to attend the course. But instead of allowing Bozeman to miss out on the golden opportunity, Rashad, Felicia Rashad, reached out to her celebrity friends for sponsorship. After attending the course, and so he, the money was provided anonymously, and he got to go. After attending the course, Bozeman, the actor, received a benefactor's letter saying that Denzel Washington had paid for him to attend the class. The Black Panther star finally revealed the identity of his secret benefactor during an interview with Rolling Stone. Then he goes on and said he didn't want to say who it was until he'd had a chance to meet him. He did have a chance to meet him, and when he met him, Denzel joked, he said, hey, Uh, So now that you're here, you owe me money. Well, certainly not, but it's great to hear these stories about people providing new opportunities for somebody else to get ahead in their career. Here's, Here's another one. Here's another one. This is another, again, celebrity helping somebody get ahead in their career. So here's the headline. Man leaves jail to find no one will hire him. So he starts business and John Legend lends a hand. Now, it goes without saying that it can be hard to adapt to a civilian life after leaving prison. I mean, I talk about that a lot. I mean, we've done a lot of work with people coming out of prison, and golly, it's tough. No one will give them a job. Nobody will sell them a car. Nobody will rent them an apartment. I mean, we've been through those scenarios with people, and it's amazing 
the doors that are closed to them. It's no wonder 87% of them end up back in prison again. It's a whole lot easier there than having to confront the reality, the challenges of being out here. So anyway, more on that in a minute. Will Avila, who was in and out of jail over the course of 10 years, says he went through 22 job applications and got rejected 22 times. Unable to find someone to hire him, Avila decided to take matters into his own hands and start a business. Avila now heads a company called Clean Decisions, a commercial cleaning service. Best of all, Avila's success includes 15 full-time employees, all of whom are former inmates as well. One employee, Andre Thomas, uh, said the job has been instrumental in preventing him from turning back to his old ways. He also started a nonprofit called Changing Perceptions, which pairs former inmates with mentors to keep them out of trouble. Well, Will's hard work in turning his life around after prison and helping convicts like himself caught the attention of John Legend. John then partnered with Bank of America and an organization called New Profit to support clean decisions with $50,000 in grant money. Other similar efforts are winning grants too, so they can help more inmates, a mission that Legend supports, he says, for personal reasons. And it just helps open the door. Now, you know, that's, it's an opportunity for a lot of us to help out in a lot of different ways. For one thing, I mean, my goodness, we've had you know, inmates that have helped us do lots of things. My goodness, they're so conscientious about keeping their nose clean, um, many times more so than people who have not been in prison. We found them to be very honest, hardworking, reliable. But now here's the deal. Here's the challenge. And you all get this. As listeners, you know, we talk about creative business ideas, things we can do. Well, the deal is when you come out of prison and don't have a degree, perhaps, maybe you've been in there for 10 years and come out and don't have really highly marketable skills, it's tough to get an $8 an hour job. You know, so you go to Taco Bell or Burger King or someplace like that and get an entry level job and you start thinking, wow, I was making a hundred bucks a night, you know, dealing drugs. This doesn't cut it. I need to do something else. And so they're drawn back into things oftentimes that are illegal or self-destructive in some way. Well, we've told lots of people coming out of prison that the best thing they can do is to do something entrepreneurial like this gentleman has in starting a cleaning business. I mean, do something like that. There's so many things. I mean, you can wash cars, you can wash windows, you can uh, clear trees, you can mow lawns. I mean, there, it just goes on. But the chances are highly greater that you're going to succeed financially by doing something creative and entrepreneurial rather than trying to just do the right thing and get a job. I know there are challenges. They were there for anybody who wants to start a job, but we've seen opportunities more realistically in the entrepreneurial environment rather than the traditional get a job environment for those who are coming out of prison. Well, good news. Lots more out there. Thanks for sharing stories with us each week about things that you hear about. Good news. You can just shoot those to ask Dan at 48days.com. Let me know about good news that you're aware of. Well, I want to talk to you about fresh books just a minute. I know in the 48 Days Eagles community, especially, we have people who just need a fresh start. They need a job now. People who have a job but want a promotion, want to move up in their industry, or people who have an idea they want to bring to life. 
And they may have a little side business where they can vote 10 to 15 hours a week that we talk, talk about a lot. Or people who already have a business and they want it to grow and prosper. Doesn't matter where you are in that continuum, that pretty much includes everybody, I think. Um, you need to keep your books straight, your financial books straight. That's where we recommend fresh books. I mean, with the internet enabling a whole lot more people to become self-employed professionals, small business owners, they're more connected, mobile, more autonomous, working in new kinds of jobs that we couldn't have even imagined a few years ago. I mean, in, in light of what we we're just talking about, you know, people coming out of prison, maybe when they went in 10 years ago, it would have been more challenging to do something on your own. Today, it, it's not only is it possible, it's no longer looked down upon. I mean, years ago, it used to be, gee, if you started doing something your own, it was kind of the implication, well, you're probably not able to get a job. Well, these days, you may choose because there's more advantages to doing something on your own. But make sure you get fresh books, fresh books to keep your book straight. Here we are going right into tax time again. Boy, what a blessing to have all the books finished. I just submitted all of my reports to my accountant now to do an annual report. I'm thrilled that everything's so easily accessible because FreshBooks keeps things up to date. So just go to freshbooks.com slash 48 days, enter 48 days in the how did you hear about us section to get started. Well, I just got back from social media marketing world. I've been talking about that for probably a year. It's one of the big conferences that I go to every year This in, in San Diego. It's always there. This is, I think, the fifth year Joanne and I went there but always a chance to meet lots of other people, to deepen relationships. But I want to give you just a couple of takeaways. If you didn't have the opportunity to go, I'm going to give you a synopsis of some of the big takeaways. Michael Stelzner is the founder of Social Media Marketing World. He gave the opening keynote on Thursday morning, last Thursday morning. One of the things that he talked about is that a smaller, more engaged audience is more valuable than a larger, less engaged one. Now, We've heard a lot of buzz. Everybody wants to know how many connections do you have on LinkedIn? You know, how many people follow you in on Facebook? You know, how many Twitter followers that you, do you have? How many people subscribe to your podcast? You know, how many people read in your blog? I mean, we look at numbers thinking that more numbers are better. Well, there's a real kind of counterintuitive surge going on in the social media world at this point, recognizing not necessarily. Sometimes big is just big and clunky. And sometimes if you have a small engaged audience, you can do a whole lot better with that than just trying to scale up in size. Even Facebook is getting on the bandwagon. You know, Facebook and changing their algorithms is forcing deeper relationships. They're in, they're um, validating longer content engagement, longer responses. And it's really changing the opportunities, diminishing the opportunity for businesses just to blast their information out there, but they're rewarding deeper connections. And they say that they really are, in fact, trying to encourage deeper, more personal interaction. Now, the counterpoint to this is that the hottest technology tool that's exploding is Messenger Chatbot. Chatbot being where you see a little thing pop up at the bottom of the screen and says, Hey, Dan, how are you today? Can I help? What can I help you with? You respond. Now it gives the impression of a real interaction with a person, but it's automated. 
And you can go a long way through those if you're on a bank site or a retail site or researching some kind of information, even on a government site or education site, you're probably interacting with bots rather than real people. So this is one of those where we have to develop then a healthy balance between the two so we don't go too heavily in either direction and miss the ongoing opportunities. Anyway, we'll have more on that, but uh, just a couple major points from social media marketing world. Also heard John Lee Dumas, a lot of you are familiar with him from Entrepreneur on Fire, the podcast where he delivers an episode every single day of the year. But uh, John was talking about in one of his presentations that I sat in on, talking about how to get engaged in a community. And a lot of you are involved in 48 Days Eagles community. If you're not, please check it out. Just go to 48dayseagles.com and check it out. But people want to know, gee, how to get involved. Some of you are not used to being visible. Some of you may not even used to having a presence on Facebook. And so you're kind of hesitant or cautious or concerned about being that open. Well, here's what you can do to be involved in a really good way. And these are four points that John Lee Dumas gave us. Number one, ask a question. That's an easy, very non-threatening way to get involved. Number two, answer a question. Number three, provide a resource. Number four, offer guidance. Just real quick, easy kind of things that you can do to uh, get involved in a community. If you're in 40 Days Eagles or any other online community, use those techniques. Ask a question, answer a question, give a resource, offer guidance to get yourself in a little deeper. In a good way, incidentally. All right, let's go to some questions and input here. They actually got an input here from Justin who says, Dan, last week I... I had a short clip where I interviewed Carrie Olson. A lot of you had talked about that. A lot of you have gone and gotten her material. Awesome. But Carrie is the young gal who started doing voiceovers and last year generated over $100,000 in income working from home. Mom of two small girls, but uh, working from home and uh, doing voiceovers. So anyway, uh, Justin says, I heard you talking to Carrie Olson, wanted to throw in something I learned recently. I'm here in the state of Indiana, just met a new coworker who used to work for the state library. I thought the state library was just for official documents and boring things, but he informed me the state library here in Indianapolis has a huge genealogy department, as well as running a program for seeing and hearing impaired. He informed me there are volunteers, coming in all the time to just sit and read so they can develop audio programs for the blind and sight impaired. I thought that would be a fantastic way for people wanting to get into voiceover work to practice and give it a try to see if it's even something they want to continue doing. Because as you know, it's easy for us to say, hey, I'd like to do that versus actually doing it day in and day out. I don't know if this is something other states do, but it's just one example of how people can volunteer their time to see if they'd even like doing voiceover work. Thanks, Justin. I appreciate that. That's a great idea. Go to the library, volunteer to read documents, creating content then for people who are hearing or, or seeing are blind, seeing you know, hearing or seeing impaired. Golly, what a great way to both serve and practice, refine your skills if doing voiceover is something that you, in fact, would like to do. Hey, I love these tips from you all, the listeners. Thanks for sending those in. Always appreciate those. You know, when we got home from uh, 
social media marketing world, one of the things that I was reminded of, you know, was how much Joanna and I enjoy our own personal bed. Now, you know, I, we sleep on a Casper mattress. Wow. I mean, we had just been in a very, very fine hotel. I mean, we stayed in the Manchester Grand Hyatt right on the harbor in San Diego, and it is a spectacular hotel. And we're very grateful for the opportunities to stay there every year. But we also look forward to getting home, knowing that we have our faithful friend, the mattress that we selected, the Casper mattress we're on, and you as well can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. Now, here's the deal. You spend one-third of your life sleeping. One-third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable. I mean, like, I have an ergonomic chair that I sit in. I have a very expensive chair that I sit in because I spend a lot of time sitting here creating content, writing books. I'm not going to have some, you know, $20 office depot throwaway chair that I sit in No, I'm going to have a chair that is the best I can possibly experience because of the time that I spend here and the quality of work that I want to do while I'm sitting. Well, the same thing is true of sleeping. If I sleep one third of the time, I want it to be on the absolute best mattress I can possibly come up with. So the experts at Casper work tirelessly to make a quality sleep surface, cradles your natural geometry in all the right places. Obviously, you hear me talk about the affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman, sells directly to you, delivered right to your door in a small, how did they do that box? It's always our response. How in the world they get that thing in there? Then you open a box and whoa, here comes a big old king size mattress like we have. A free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. You can get $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash sleep you love and then using the promo code sleep you love at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Again, get $50 toward your select mattress by visiting casper.com slash sleep you love and using sleep you love at checkout. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, let's go back to some questions here from our listeners. Roger White. Now, Roger's a very active member of the 48 Days Eagles community. Roger says we've developed an Amazon FBA live training. Now, the Amazon FBA is fulfilled by Amazon. We talk about that a lot. A lot of people we know are doing that. So we encourage you to check out the options. And Roger has an event coming up here April 21st, right here in Franklin. He says the event would not be happening without the 48 Days Eagles group. They have helped guide and inspire me all along the way. We've also used principles that you teach. This event was designed working only 10 to 15 hours a week. We have had coaching along the way to help. We've also invested a percentage of our income and our development. So my question today for your listeners are, what are you doing with your extra 10 or 15 hours a week? And are you investing at least 3% of your budget in your own learning? And do you have someone who's coaching you along the way? Roger says, we've been very deliberate about these and have made substantial progress through our commitment to this process. Thanks for your encouragement and guidance along the way. Well, that's cool, Roger. And I looked up your event. You're very modest about promoting it here, so I'll do it. If you go to therogerwhite.com slash live hyphen event, I'll put a link to that, but just go to therogerwhite.com. You can find it there, his online event. 
online. It's not an online event. It's a live event. Real people. Face-to-face, Saturday, April 21st. It's only $197 for a whole-day event teaching you the principles to be successful with Amazon FBA. Boy, they only have 15 seats. You better jump fast. I mean, I love what you're doing there, Roger. Sounds cool right here in Franklin. I don't know exactly where it's going to be, but there's a lot of cool places to hang out here in uh, Franklin. I'm sure you've chosen one. Karen from uh, Georgia says... Dan, you made me move. (laughs) Uh, Not really, but you did inspire us to go live where we desired and then find or create work we love. Gal, your podcast through the years have impacted me. I'm almost a walking commercial for you. I'm also an author. Thanks to you and Carrie Oberbrunner's Author Academy Elite, which you promoted, I signed up for. My children's book, Big Changes for Little Bugs, launches April 14th. It's about learning to face changes with hope and courage and to conquer fear, something for all ages to learn, right? I know your audience deals with fear and I hope to inspire courage. Look forward to meeting you at Igniting Souls Conference in October. Well, thanks, Karen. I look forward to meeting you there as well. Yeah, I'll be there with Carrie Oberbrunner and a lot of cool people at the Igniting Souls Conference up in Columbus, Ohio. That's coming up in October, toward the end of October, as I recall. Well, hey, before we go into that, let me just uh, pull this up here real quickly here just to remind you. You see our real life questions you're listening to here. People just like you and me who are living it out, challenging, but also finding opportunities. And I, God, I cannot tell you how excited I am about the new opportunities that are all around. People often ask me, you know, what I'm doing if I'm slowing down, you know, if I got things on cruise control. Golly, I'm forever starting new things. We get some new things going on. I'll tell you about one here in just a second relative to this next question. But if you got a question, just shoot that into me at askdan at 48days.com. Now, I know, you know, I, I get lots and lots of input there. And a great majority of it is people asking to be on the podcast or asking me to promote a product or a book here. Um, I don't do that very often. As you know, I'm committed to continuing asking questions. I don't want to just fill it up with guests. Once in a while, I have somebody on who I think has a special message, like Carrie Olson last week, or my buddy Chris Ducker, you know, week before that, we did talk about his new book. So there are certain times when I talk about something that I think really has value for lots of you listening. But uh, for the most part, we're going to stick to just having questions here. And you keep those coming. That's the kind of thing I want to deal with. Send those in again to askdan at 48days.com. Okay, here is a question from Dave. He titled this a large financial ebook question. Hi, Dan, I'm in need of a large financial shovel. In several shows, you mentioned that writing and selling an ebook is a great way to make significant extra cash. And you gave several great examples. I have several ideas I believe would make great ebooks. However, as you know, just because I think they would be great ebooks doesn't necessarily mean anyone else would. How do you get feedback from a potential target market on whether or not an idea is worth pursuing if you have no forum, no platform, or any other way of asking? Where do I start to do research? How do I research? I don't want to waste time creating something that may not have a reasonable interest or market. Thanks for all you do and for being my online mentor. Well, Dave, thanks for your question. Wow. Now, here's the deal. If you don't have an audience, you don't have a platform, you don't have 
a connection built. Yeah, it's going to be pretty tough to do something with printed material in an ebook or a book or a course. You have to somehow get in front of an audience. Now, there are ways to do that. You can borrow the credibility of other people by being a guest on podcast. I mean, I just talked about that. I don't do that often here, but there are lots of podcasts that are looking for guests. You can guest blog on somebody else's blog post, but you, you have to have access to people in order to make a book go. You can't really just do an ebook, put it up on Amazon. I mean, it's, it's like a needle in a haystack, worse than that. I mean, just because it's available there doesn't mean anybody's going to know about it. All that is, is just a repository to hold it there. You have to do something to drive traffic to get it there. Now, sure, you may get lucky and get a little bit of organic traffic because it's on Amazon. If you have really great keywords tagged to that, but it's not going to do much, very likely. So the real key here is you need an audience before you're going to have an opportunity to do much with an ebook. Now, here's the other thing. Money made from books is very, very modest, to say the least. Now, I encourage people to write books. Writing has served me very well. But I, I want to, well, you know, when somebody asked J. Conrad Levinson, he, you may recognize that name because he really popularized the term guerrilla marketing. Uh, died a few years ago, lost a good man, but uh, he he had a lot of books that had to do with guerrilla marketing. So he said this, I heard him say one time, he said, somebody asked me how much I made from my first book. The answer I gave him was 10 million. Now here's where it gets interesting. The book itself, he said, only paid $35,000 in royalties. But the speaking engagements, spin-off books, newsletters, columns, boot camps, consulting, and wide-open doors resulted in the remaining $9,965,000. I would say the same thing. I mean, people know me as the author of 48 Days to the Work You Love, you know, New York Times best-selling book, you know, other books like Wisdom Meets Passion, No More Dreaded Mondays, Bread of the Day, Right to the Bank, and so on. I mean, I love having those books there. If I had to live on the income that I make from those books, including advances and royalties, I would not be living where we're living today. Not a chance. Joanne and I would have uh, some little 600 square foot apartment that we'd rent in Nashville in the poor side of town. I mean, literally, I mean, the, I think people would be amazed at how little I make directly from my books. However, that is the real key. I'm not concerned about what I make from my books directly. I did a blog post for Michael Hyatt uh, some time ago, and I, I titled it, and he has, of course, a lot of authors who are followers of his, and I titled it forget the royalties, just give my book away. Well, I had authors go ballistic on that. They're like, what are you talking about? You know, that's how we make our money is selling books. And I said, man, if that's how you make your money, you're missing the bigger picture. You're missing the forest for the trees. Totally. I mean, I really, I mean, we give away tons of books. Getting a book in somebody's hands is a way to introduce them to the other things that we do where we make money. Those being live events, 
coaching the 48 Days Eagles community, my mastermind, our coaching mastery program. Those are things where we make significant income, but it's not from the books. All the books are is a fancy business card. So Dave, in, in response to your question, I would encourage, if you need a big financial ch- shovel, don't do a book. That, that is not a big financial shovel. That's a little tiny teaspoon. <laughs> you can come up with other ideas. If you need a chunk of money fast, that's not going to be the way to do it. I would encourage you to look for other ideas. And I heard an interview this morning with Brian Scudamore, who is the founder of 1-800-GOT-JUNK. I mean, he dropped out of college. His, his dad is a liver transplant surgeon, highly skilled you know, high, and here Brian dropped out of college to start a little, bought a $700 pickup truck, put plywood on the signs, plastered his phone number on there, and started picking up junk for people. Well, today that that company is 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Um, they have over 200 franchises around the world. They're in pretty much every major metropolitan area. Um, Brian is doing very well at this point. A franchise fee is $200,000, um, and then he gets 8% royalty on all sales after that. So he's got a major, major business set up. I mean, but there are things that seem to be that uh, that unglamorous where you can make money and make it quickly. I mean, when I was going through graduate school, the thing that I did primarily was buy and sell inexpensive cars. You know, I'm a car guy. I love the process. I love the hunt, love finding cars. And I would find inexpensive cars that I could sell for under $2,000, buy them, clean them up, check them out, make sure they're okay mechanically, park them in our front yard, you know, and make a thousand bucks. I mean, that was pretty routine. I mean, I knew what I wanted to do, what I wanted to have as a base family income. And I did it by buying and selling cars. I did a lot of painting houses where I bid the job. I never worked by the hour. Never worked by the hour in my life, incidentally, but I'd bid the job and then I'd do it on my own time so I could study, teach during the day while I was in graduate school, and then perhaps go start working at two o'clock in the afternoon and put in seven hours, you know, work till nine o'clock, you know, doing, so I would do that. I mean, you can wash windows. I mean, my gosh, one of the things, incidentally, um, I will, Dave, I will send you a copy of 48 low or no cost business ideas. I mean, I've got things in there like uh, an example where I say several years ago, I had an emergency meeting with a lady who had just discovered her husband left and was not coming back. She had four small children, was a full-time mom. She was in desperate shape financially and wondered where she could get a job. However, in assessing her marketable skills, we had difficulty coming up with anything that would get her more than an eight, eight to $10 an hour position. I suggested we look for more creative options. Here's what we came up with. She went to Walmart and purchased a bucket and a squeegee. She spent about $4 incidentally. With that, she took her oldest child with her and went up and down one primary business street in South Nashville, Nolensville Road, offering to clean their windows. She found a receptive market for her services and discovered she could make 50 to $60 an hour by bidding the jobs in advance. Now, that's an example of the kind of things that people can do to just do something interesting. I mean, I talk in... Um, 48 Oregon no cost business ideas about uh, Tracy Latham who does caricatures 
we went to a party and it went to one of the radio station parties and here's Tracy doing caricatures. Well, it took him about five minutes to do this really cool sketch of Joanne and me, you know, in a Corvette. So it's, it's one I really treasure. Well, he was being paid by the company a hundred dollars an hour. He shows up at events like that. It's a four hour minimum. So $400 and he just does his little sketches, you know, no cost of materials, I mean, what a cool thing if you have the talent to do that. But I would encourage you to look for a unique skill that you have already and just put legs on that. I mean, it could be repairing bicycles, but I, I really think you're going to be frustrated in trying to jump into the ebook market and thinking that's going to be a way to make a lot of money. Now, I know I talk about, you know, I've talked about like Aaron Kerr, what he did with finding things in the public domain and putting those together in an ebook process and making $60,000 in the course of a couple of months. Aaron has a lot of experience. Aaron has a lot of knowledge about how to do that you know, how to get in the game and doing that. Again, that's, uh, he didn't just decide one morning he's going to do that. No, a lot more involved. All right. Now, all that being said, I do want to announce something that I've been working on for a very long time. And that is, I'm going to be more active in helping people get their books published. We have a brand new website up. It's 48dayspress.com. You can go there and you can see a whole lot of information. Here's the deal. For years, I've had people coming to me, lots of people who request endorsements or forwards for their books. I've done hundreds and hundreds of those. And then I just send them on our way and wish them a lot of luck. And it's been a concern of mine that a lot of these people really don't know the publishing arena. So we're going to help you in that process. Now, what am I looking for? I'm looking for things that are going to fall into the 48 days press brand. We have actually created 48 days press as a brand. Uh, we'll have books, you know, in the New York markets and the bookstores and all that under the 48 days brand. So they have to be connected to the same kind of content that I've been writing about for many years. So I'm looking for things that are entrepreneurial, finding your passion, finding work you love, starting businesses. I mean, those kind of things. Sure. I'd love to see that. If it's, you know, just a traditional religious book or a children's book or poetry, I'm not your guy. I mean, I can maybe direct you to somebody, but it's not something that I would be interested in being connected with. But if you've got a book that's in line with the kind of things that we talk about on here every week, yeah, it may, you may be a player. Go to 48days.press. There's a lot of information there. Uh, this is not something I'm looking to shift a lot of time and attention to and not looking for hundreds, but yeah, a few here and there. And there's certainly been examples that have come down the pike over the years. Golly, I mean, the, the book that I just talked about, I had did, did an interview with Jesse Cole with his book, Find Your Yellow Tux. What's well, a great book about Finding what it is that is unique about you that's going to stand out, that's going to be help you promote your business and get ahead in whatever you're doing. I mean, that would have been a perfect fit for 48 Days Press, but I wasn't ready to go at that point. So he went, went a different direction. Anyway, check it out. Love to hear your comments and your inquiries about that if you're in the process of writing a book or have an idea. All right, let me grab a couple more here. Now, this has to do with missionaries and raising money. This comes from Kevin. Now, you've heard me talk a lot recently, and this seems to be an ongoing saga about people who went into ministry and then were frustrated in 
doing that and weren't sure how they ended up where they were because they couldn't put groceries on the table. This is Kevin's story about that. Now, this is really interesting, a very thoughtful, very mature approach and education in this arena. Listen to this from Kevin. Dan, I listen to your podcast every week. Thoroughly enjoy it. I've been keeping up with the conversation that you've had with some listeners about missionaries, not support raising. I'd like to speak from personal experience. I was saved in college through a ministry on campus at my university. I spent four years as a student leader in the ministry, leading weekly small group Bible studies, among other things. When it came time to graduate, I felt the call to continue with campus ministry. Uh, in order to be a campus ministry in this particular organization, you're required to raise your own financial support. The biggest issue that I ran into is that I was saved in college. So many of the close friends were college students and my family didn't understand missions, especially college missions. I found myself fresh out of college with a bachelor's degree, asking friends and family to support me. It felt pretty weird as a 21 year old, able-bodied man going around asking people for money. Okay. That's a big clue right there. That's a really big clue. It felt pretty weird as a 21 year old, able-bodied man going around asking people for money. All right, Kevin continues, needless to say, my financial experience wasn't the best during my two years working full-time in the organization. Going into it, I had the mindset that people would just give me money because I'm actually doing something for God, and they were not. They were just going to secular jobs during the week and going to church on Sundays. I was in for a rude awakening. The summer before I was to move to the campus that I would be working, I fell into a deep depression. I felt like God had abandoned me. My goal was to raise $1,800 a month, and I was sitting at about 400 Against my better judgment, I moved three hours away with not enough money in my pocket. All I had was faith that if God called me to this, then he would make it happen. During my time there, I maxed out my credit card. I overdrew my checking account multiple times, which led to the bank calls to the banks to plead that they would waive the insufficient fund fee. When the funds couldn't be waived, I'd have to ask my friends to help me out. I constantly had people buy my food wherever we would go out to eat. I even took a job as a ranch hand working on Fridays in order just to make some cash. After two years, I sat down with the campus pastor and we finally came to the point where we realized I couldn't go on like this. At this point, I transitioned uh, to working in a government agency until I got laid off there. When I left that place, I was in debt, broke, and bitter. I felt like God had left me out to dry. I vowed to never work with college students again. I don't want to ever experience anything like that again. I moved back to my home state and worked in the private sector. But I wasn't being fulfilled. I felt like God was telling me it was time to work with college students again. I don't believe my calling went away. I just ran from it because of my previous experience. It wasn't until I heard a sermon on Jonah that I knew that the Holy Spirit was going to lead me back to working with college students. I'm now a full-time employee at the university that I graduated from. I've been able to earn a master's degree that was largely paid for by the university. I'm able to work with college students without the stress of worrying about finances. This is my ministry. Even though my paycheck comes from the university and not friends and family, doesn't make it any less important to the kingdom of God. Ah, Kevin, thank you for your note. What a great story about understanding a healthier approach to fulfilling your calling to ministry. I love it. 
got a job with the university where he graduated. Now he's got a full-time salary. He's mingled with the students all day long, all week long, can minister to them any way he wants to without having to worry about asking other people, begging for money. Golly, just a great example. All right, here's another one. Now, I've got a real short clip I want to play here. I'm going to talk about this just a minute. Hello, Dan. My name is Esteban, and I am a church planter in northern New Mexico. And over the last 10 years, we've been able to plant several churches out of a church in another city. We've been sent out of them as missionaries. And over the years, we've been supported by multiple churches. And I'm thankful that churches have helped our family as we've done what we have done. But there are a lot of politics involved, and I don't feel that I have the freedom I need to in order to do things that I want to do, not just for the sake of the ministry, but also for our own family, because we're accountable to these churches that help support us and so forth. And it's really um, getting frustrating. On top of that, um, over the last 10 years, I've picked up a lot of work on the side, particularly web design and also printed gospel literature for churches and different things like that. And to be honest, I'm just about tired of making websites. Right now I'm actually working with a company, a startup, that makes websites for churches, and I just have no more heart for it at all, and I'm pretty much burnt out on it. I do want to do some stuff with my family. We love the outdoors. We love building things. I'm a fly fisher, and I just love to be outside, and so we've thought about me maybe making a, a podcast for fly fishers or building crafts and selling them as a family. I'd like your input, please, and thank you. Well, Esteban, thank you so much for your audio clip there. And I have communicated with him and we've gone a little farther down the road with this. He has launched a website, thetroutracker.com, and is recognizing that his passion for fishing is a legitimate way to uh, be involved in something that's God's put a passion in his heart. And in doing so, he can make money to continue planting churches and not have the restrictions of feeling like everything he does is being micromanaged by the people who are giving him money for that. Well, hey, the, I mean, these these are complex questions, but sometimes the solution is right in front of us. I mean, I love that. He recognized that he loves fishing. So he's going to do something in that arena rather than trying to force this idea of being a full-time missionary where he has to beg for money and then be have his hands tied because of them. Guess what? He's doing it in another way. I mean, I love the fact that he's been creative about looking at what the possibilities are. You can do the same. Hey, I want to go back and revisit this quotation from Martin Luther. He says, therefore, I advise no one to enter any religious order or the priesthood. Indeed, I advise everyone against it. Unless he is forearmed with this knowledge and understands that the works of monks and priests However holy and arduous they may be, do not differ one whit in the sight of God from the works of the rustic laborer in the field or the woman going about her household task, but that all works are measured before God by faith alone. So here's my question for you this week. Here's your challenge. Is the work that you're doing a holy calling? Do you feel left out that you're just doing a regular job? And then you hear about these people who are evangelists, pastors, teachers, priests, monks. They're the special ones. Now, what about the work that you're doing? Is it perhaps a holy calling in and of itself? Could you take how you do it and turn it into such? Well, that's my question. Is the work you're doing a holy calling? 
fun stuff. Great questions. Love this time of every week where I can come and just kind of sit down and chat with y'all. I got some candles going here. It's a cool morning here in Franklin. Little snow flurries. What a great time just to have a fireside chat with you, the listeners. So thanks for being part of this. Check out on iTunes, leave a review there. That would be wonderful. Send me your questions at askdan at 48days.com. Thanks for being part of this group where we are, in fact, finding or creating work that is meaningful, fulfilling, purposeful, and profitable. It's not a sacrifice to do something godly. You ought to be able to thrive and prosper even more knowing that it is godly. Have a great week. 